Hello, my name is Claire and you are listening to the Hypno Birthing Podcast. So hello everybody and welcome back to the podcast. I hope everyone's doing good. It feels like ages since I've done a single like solo episode, but I don't know whether it has been, but it just feels like it's been a really long time considering I used to do them a lot. Um, but now I seem to have guests on more frequently, which is really great, obviously, and great for you guys to get different information and different perspectives as well. But I hope everyone's good. I have actually just released my September and October group dates. So for anyone that is interested in doing a course, um, they're on my website, which uh, there'll be a link below for you to check those out. Um, But yeah, I've just released those and I get so many questions from people asking me whether I do online courses. Yes, pretty much all of my courses, well, all of my group courses are online and I often I do one to one courses. Um, mostly online but obviously if you're local then they can be in person but yeah absolutely majority of them are online and you're welcome from all over the world wherever you are you're more than welcome to join a course I teach many people from all over the world which is amazing and they are yeah suited for everybody so if you're at all interested as I said I'll leave links below that you can have a look as well So today's episode is going to be, as I said, a solo episode, and I'm going to talk to you about the medicalization of birth. So kind of why we've got to a point where it's so medical, what has happened? Why has it turned like this? What can we do about it? And it's actually a lot of the information and the words that I'm going to talk to you about are taken from a really, really good article written by a midwife called Trisha Anderson and it's called Out of the Laboratory Back to the Darkened Room and I'll link that below as well if you want to read the full article because it's quite long but what I thought I would do is I would base this episode off of that article and talk to you about some of the things that Trisha wrote about so that you can kind of have a quick breakdown of what the article's about And then if you want to go and read further, but, um, you know, full disclosure um, and credit where credit is due, it's coming from her article. This uh, podcast episode is based on that article. Okay, so the medicalization of birth. So for anybody listening who has ever had a cat who has given birth, you will know that there are kind of a few things that you do and that you don't do when your cat is due to give birth. So Some of the things that you might do as an owner is you might create a really nice safe space for them and that's what they need. They need a nice safe dark space away from observation. Also, it's best not to interfere with the birth or touch the kittens because there's always the risk that the mum might then reject them if that happens. So that's kind of the very basics when it comes to a cat giving birth. So imagine if you had a group of scientists who might decide they want to study cats giving birth. So they take a cat into a laboratory, which is brightly lit. And in the laboratory, the cat is able to hear other cats giving birth. Um, There's people watching the cat. And also there's just no safe space for them to retreat to. So over many, many years, these scientists studied cats giving birth in their laboratories and they saw basically that their labors were erratic and basically sometimes they might even slow down or stop Uh, the cats looked distressed which was heartbreaking for the scientists to watch 
They saw kittens being born deprived of oxygen and born being shocked and in need of resuscitation. And basically, after seeing this for so many years, they concluded that cats don't labour very well. Now, because the scientists were very caring people, they invented lots of clever machines to help improve the cat's labours. So machines to monitor oxygen levels in the kittens. Um, They invented pain-killing drugs, drugs to help stop labour slowing down. And they also even developed emergency operations to save the distressed kittens. The scientists then wrote scientific papers informing people about the difficulties that they had observed from cats and basically about all this new feline technology that had been invented. Newspapers and TV then helped to spread the word and soon enough everyone started bringing their labouring cats to the laboratory and deemed basically that it was the safest place for your cat to give birth. Years and years passed And as the workload in these laboratories got bigger and bigger, they then had to take on new staff. And then the original scientists got older, they started to retire, and the newer staff basically continued with these experiments, but actually not even realising about the original experiment. They didn't realise they were even experiments they were doing, because those original scientists had retired and this had become just part of life. This was just what you did. They had never seen cats giving birth in these kind of nicely softly lined boxes in dark private spaces. That was deemed dangerous. If you consider these newer scientists' view of these cats giving birth, they'd only ever seen them giving birth in laboratory conditions and they had to give birth in those conditions because they laboured so badly they needed the help. The thought of a cat giving birth out of the laboratory in a dark space all alone was dangerous. So they were basically convinced that cats don't give birth very well without technical assistance. Because look at all the evidence they had collected over many, many years. All this evidence just proved that they don't give birth very well. Now, I'm sure you can see where I'm going. Let's relate that to the human maternity system. Sadly, many doctors and midwives are trained within the system. So that means many of them haven't experienced birth outside of that system or that laboratory. And as a result, childbirth is in a bit of a mess. In today's day and age, what's good is that we do so many things to encourage women to evaluate each intervention during birth. So I talk about it all the time. I talk about it on here. I talk about it when I teach. I talk about it on my Instagram. You know, evaluating every single intervention that may arise during your, your labour is really, really important. And absolutely, it still is. But no one says anything, or not many people are saying anything, about the biggest intervention of all, which is basically asking women to leave their houses, get into their cars and enter a hospital to give birth. Now, unfortunately, intervention rates are increasing and they have been increasing over many, many years. And although, you know, we are very lucky that we have these interventions, incredibly lucky that we have these, for the vast majority of women, they're just not needed. So how come they are increasing? 
Meanwhile, on the opposite side, home birth rates just remain really low. They've stayed the same for years and years and years and years, and they're low. They're like 2% of people give birth at home. It's so incredibly low. So why is birth harder in a hospital? Well, if you think back to the very basic physiology of birth and the hormones that are involved in the birth process, and if you don't know this stuff, then read about it or better do a hypnobirthing course and learn all about it i've not talked in any great detail on this podcast about the physiology of birth or the hormones because that's something that teachers teach and i don't want to take stuff away from teachers that are are teaching so so yeah you know you can find loads of stuff online about this anyway but yeah the best thing better is to go and do a course anyway but basically we know that the hormone oxytocin and endorphins are needed for a comfortable birth so oxytocin is the hormone that you know starts and progresses your labor endorphins are released when you release oxytocin and they are your painkillers basically they're your body's natural painkillers so we know that those two hormones are needed for a comfortable like efficient birth and we also know that those hormones can be stopped or hindered during the birth process by adrenaline which is another hormone Um, and when you release adrenaline it inhibits those hormones from working properly so that means labor can slow down or it can even stop Um, and that's basically because when someone is feeling very scared or anxious or embarrassed their stress levels raise um, and they rise so high that oxytocin struggles to flow and be produced And what also happens in that situation is the neocortex. Now, the neocortex is like a part of our brain, very evolved part of our brain that separates us from other mammals. So while you see these cats giving birth, you know, and dogs and other mammals giving birth kind of without any sort of issue, we have a neocortex in our brain and the neocortex sort of thinks too much almost. So the neocortex gets switched back on. And if a woman is feeling very scared or is feeling like they are being observed by somebody or feel like they are having to answer lots of questions, that can also inhibit the flow of oxytocin because that is releasing adrenaline throughout your body. And when you release adrenaline, you can't release oxytocin. So in those sorts of situations, it's really common for labor to stall. And then we start hearing things like failure to progress, that phrase um, that gets, you know, used if, a labor stalls throughout you know maybe the the first stage or the second stage and what typically then happens after this kind of failure to progress is interventions further interventions you know assisted deliveries cesareans hormone drips things like that to try to get labor to start working again to start going again um, and so you know it's been deemed that that labor is is failed it's failing to progress therefore it needs help but what are the reasons why why is it failing why has it failed to progress what are the reasons for that is it because the the right environment is not being achieved so i'm kind of conscious about talking too much about you know where people should give birth because i think giving birth is a very personal thing and although you know there's been many many studies into home birth and there has been lots that shows that home birth is just as safe as giving birth in a hospital you know, I do still think that it is a very personal decision. And I would never, you know, in my capacity as a hypnobirthing teacher, but also in doing this podcast, obviously, I would never want to 
make somebody feel like they're doing the wrong thing if they choose to give birth in hospital or in a midwife-led unit. But I think what is important and what this shows is how important environment is. And so even if you do choose to give birth in a a medical environment, in a hospital or um, even a midwife-led unit, although they are obviously aiming at being more of a kind of home from home space, if you do decide to do that, or if you don't have a lot of choice in that, because I know that, you know, some people might be listening in places where they don't have that choice, or perhaps something is happening within their pregnancy, which has limited their choices, and it might be safer to be in a hospital, which is absolutely, you know, obviously fine. Then think about how you can create that environment in those settings. So while being at home is very beneficial to how comfortable and relaxed you feel and very beneficial in limiting the amount of adrenaline that you're going to release and you know those feelings of being scared or being watched are going to obviously be lower at home but how can you create that kind of environment and that kind of space in hospitals and I've talked about this before but you know, low lights, nice calm music, you know, asking people to who don't need to be in the room to not be in the room, asking people to knock before they come in, talk in, you know, quiet voices, direct their questions at your birth partner instead of you, watch their language, use positive language rather than anything negative, and basically to give you the chance to decide whether you want any of these interventions that are being offered and to give you the kind of full picture about them as well and I think doing that and really being aware of that environment and how you know going back to the cat example cats generally labor perfectly fine when they're left alone um, as do other mammals as well and for those of you that have experience of being around other mammals when they give birth whether that is a cat or a dog or you know a sheep or if you've seen animals in the wild giving birth you know they're perfectly capable and we tend to just leave them alone so the example of the cat is obviously just an example and it's just showing that you know what could happen if somebody decided to study a cat giving birth and decided to try to fix that for them what that then does is you know the very kind of act of studying that cat giving birth has moved their changed their environment and moved them to a much more medical environment and that cat has then not had the right conditions to birth effectively so in that scientist's eyes that cat can't give birth cats can't give birth they need our help and so we'll invent all this stuff that's going to help them but actually what that does is that just massively medicalizes the, that cat's birth and perhaps creates the need for intervention when there wasn't the need in the first place so of course you know as I said that's just an example but you can see how that could work and you can see how that relates to you know the human maternity system that we are in at the moment and as I said before you know it's all totally personal choice and you do what is right for you but please look at the whole picture please don't just feel scared by the culture that we have around birth and the general culture that we have is that giving birth in hospital is the safest place for you it's the it's safest to be in hospital that's generally kind of what people will tell you and anyone out there who has chosen to have home birth and has told people you probably have had some people say oh is that safe or you know comments like that 
because that's we're so ingrained to believe that being in hospital is the safest place to give birth and I just want you to look at it and think is it is it the safest place for me to give birth and have a look at the whole picture don't just rule out other environments because of what we kind of have been brought up to believe basically because there are other options it might not necessarily be the safest place for you it may well be but it also might not be so you know it's a very personal thing and it will depend on the individual and their circumstances you know how their pregnancy is going what risks they're willing to accept and what benefits they're willing to accept as well but just look at the whole picture basically is my point so as I said I'm going to leave the article below so you can read it it's a lot longer than um obviously the stuff that I've talked about I've just given you kind of the gist of the article but I I really love it I think it's a really good article it's quite old now it's 2002 so you know it's quite old 20 years old now which sounds crazy I can't believe 2002 was 20 years ago so obviously you know it's quite old but it still stands unfortunately in the last 20 years not much has changed in terms of the maternity system and you know intervention rates are still increasing so actually you know that is probably the only thing that has changed uh so yeah i'll link it below if you want to read it further i'm here if you want to ask any questions um obviously i'm on my social media as well and i'll leave all of those links down below also you know courses i mean there are hypnobirthing teachers all over the world Many of them teach online, many of them teach in person if you'd rather do that. As I said at the start, I teach um, and most of my courses are online. I also have my essentials course, which is like a pre-recorded uh, like mini course, like three hours and you watch it in your own time. So that's quite suitable for some people who maybe have less time or just want a kind of more affordable option. And that's there as well. But also just reading, listening to podcasts, you know, researching, just really, really cluing yourself up about birth the maternity system you know the benefits and the risks of place of birth and you know interventions and things like that is just really really useful so i encourage you to do that as well thank you so much for listening this is kind of in short and sweet but i think important and i will see you in two weeks time for another episode goodbye